This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. You know, there's nothing more dangerous in politics. There's nothing more dangerous in society than a calcified us and them mentality, a trenches dug, good guys versus bad guys mindset. But it's hard. It's hard not to fall into that trap when you're called a deplorable, when you're said you're born with the sins of your father, when you're defined by nothing more important then your skin tone. And in the latest installment, when your leaders, your thought process, you are called a Neanderthal. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. You normally catch me on the weekends hosting Fox and Friends Saturday and Sunday mornings with my friends Pete Hegseth and Jedediah Bila. You can always join the conversation. Come hang out with me here on Fox News Radio today. You can give me a call. At 866-408-7669. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Will Kane, or on Instagram, C. Will Kane. We'll keep the conversation going anywhere and everywhere you want to hang out. During the last election cycle, I was sitting with a buddy of mine who's from Pennsylvania. We were sitting down having a beer, talking about the state of the country, talking about what certainly looked to be, and the numbers reflected with 76, 74 million votes, the growing constituency for Donald Trump. My buddy was saying he was with this rural Pennsylvanian who'd been a lifelong Democrat, member of the union. In fact, generations of Democrats, generations of union members, but one who had moved over the last three, four, five years to the camp of Donald Trump. And we were talking about why, and this is what my friend said, this other gentleman relayed to him. He said, you know, when President Obama said we cling to our guns and our Bible, my eyebrows kind of raised. I thought, huh, that didn't sit quite right with me. That describes me and my family. Then when Hillary Clinton called us deplorable, I begin to think she's really not interested in me or what I believe in or who I am. In fact, she may dislike me. And then during the Biden-Trump campaign with, at times, Joe Biden calling Donald Trump supporters chumps, and then certainly the rhetoric around the election becoming increasingly vitriolic, this guy, this union member, this lifelong Democrat said to my friend, they hate me. The Democrats hate me, my culture, my family, my ancestors. They hate everything about me. And that had pushed this lifelong Democrat, this lifelong union member, to becoming a Republican, a Donald Trump supporter. It's hard not to fall into the trap of us versus them, good guy versus bad guy. But right now, the language, in fact, I would suggest to you the mindset when it comes to democratic politics is not just 
you know, in a sloppy habit falling into us and them, but openly embracing it. They believe they are the good guys, but that's not the end of the story because they believe that you, your way of thought, your leaders are the bad guys. The latest installment I give you is Joe Biden talking about the state of Texas and the state of Mississippi embracing not open borders, but open societies, embracing 100% capacity for all businesses, no more of a mask mandate. Every responsible citizen can make their own choice on whether or not it's in their own health interest to wear a mask, but there will be no government force of your neighbor or you to wear a mask. And for that, for that freedom, for that policy in Texas and Mississippi, for that idea that many of us hold so dear, for freedom, Joe Biden said this about the governors in Texas and Mississippi, cut one. I hope everybody's realized by now these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. Neanderthal thinking, the name calling the otherism, the us versus them, takes yet another step from chumps to cling to your Bible and your guns to deplorable to Neanderthals. Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today here on Fox News Radio. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to embrace. I'm going to accept the terms. I'm going to step into Joe Biden's arena for one moment. I'm going to accept the terms of the debate. Is it Neanderthal thinking to free up your society? Is it Neanderthal thinking to set aside the mandate? that you must wear a mask. Let's just kind of explore that for a second because I like it. I'm going to do it. I'm I'm going to risk offending anybody out there who might have some Neanderthal ancestry because I know that's the way it works in 2021. There's always an offended constituency, so I'm going to risk it, just like Joe Biden, for just a moment and accept the terms here. So what was a Neanderthal, right? He was prehistoric. He was primitive. He was Not an ancestor, necessarily, of Homo sapiens, but he roamed the earth about the same time, but he was more primitive. Thus, he no longer exists. What did a Neanderthal do? A Neanderthal would reject science, first of all. That would be number one. He he wouldn't understand it beyond his simple capacities. Well, what is the scientific backing for keeping everything in our society locked down? What is the scientific backing? backing for keeping our schools closed. The CDC has said quite some time ago, that doesn't help. That's not scientific. We should open our schools. And yet teachers, unions, and democratic politicians embrace that unscientific idea. We know today that the vast majority of coronavirus transmissions, infections, are in the home, close contact, small groups, not in businesses, not in schools, not what Joe Biden would suggest should remain closed. Which side of the thinking on this is unscientific? Which one rejects data? By the way, this idea, number two, of individual freedom, that's a pretty modern moral invention. That's Western civilization. That's enlightenment stuff. That is, oh, we're going to embrace individuals and their responsibility and their ability to make free choices and trust them. That right there, folks, that's evolved. What's Neanderthal? To reject that idea of individual freedom and responsibility or to embrace it? Number three, who would revert to blunt force? What is a mandate but blunt force? What is a mandate that you must wear a mask but not persuasion, not reason, 
but government mandate blunt force. Who would revert to that? Would it be the evolved, rational, homo sapien in 2021? Or would it be the Neanderthal who knows his fists and force? It's the mandate that is fist in force. It's the government force, the government requirement that you wear a mask that reverts to a primitive thought process. In short, who is the Neanderthal in this? No, true leadership is balancing science and the needs of society in terms of keeping your economy opening, developing our kids, allowing us to make a living. No, that's true leadership. That's evolved. Another thing is to live up to your promises in the beginning. Was the, was the promise to sit here in a state of absolute shutdown until coronavirus disappeared? No, it was to bend the curve, and it was from day one. I mean, that's the great disappearing act I've ever seen. What happened to bend the curve? We're long past that. Hospitalizations are down. We should be balancing opening our economy. We should be free. But we somehow left bend the curve behind. Now it's stamp it out. And I'm not sure it's stamped the coronavirus out that we're talking about. It could be stamping out your freedom, your ability to make a choice. In short, what I'm saying to you is if we're going to play the game of who has primitive thought, of who is embracing Neanderthal-like tendencies, is it those like Abbott and the Mississippi governor who want to embrace freedom? Or is it a government administration that embraces force and mandate through unscientific thoughts? Who's the Neanderthal? Here's Jen Psaki responding to the latest from Joe Biden, whether or not she can defend this Neanderthal-like accusation. Listen. How does comparing someone to a Neanderthal help convince them to change course and get on board with your public health message? The behavior of a Neanderthal, just to be very clear, um, the behavior of. Look, I think the president, uh, what, what, we, what everybody saw yesterday was a reflection of um, his frustration and exasperation. He believes that if we're going to get this pandemic under control, we need to follow public health guidelines. He simply has asked the American people to abide by wearing masks for 100 days. We're at about day 40. Are we at day 40? Around there, 60 more days. The behavior of. <laughs> Wonder why she's so sensitive right there. The behavior of a Neanderthal. Not a Neanderthal. We're not offending anyone who might self-identify as a Neanderthal. But the behavior of a Neanderthal, she emphasizes. You know, all this like point-by-point point thought process and rationalization I'm going through, it might be spinning my wheels in the mud. The truth is the best way to argue against this absurdity is to play it on the same grounds on which the left usually plays it. And that is through the prism of who can be the most offended. Senator Marco Rubio brilliantly took up the debate on those terms. This is a hilarious tweet. He tweeted this yesterday. President Biden's use of an old stereotype is hurtful to modern Europeans, Asians, and Americans who inherit about 2% of their genes from Neanderthal ancestors. He should apologize for his insensitive comments and seek training on unconscious bias. It's, it's wonderful, and it's absolutely the way to play this game because you know if the roles were reversed, they'd find some way not just to not be offended, but feign outrage, feign offense, fake it in order to gain some kind of unearned moral high ground and hammer a Republican over offending Whatever the 2% inheritance of DNA is out there for Neanderthal ancestry today. You know that's the game they play. Good job, Marco Rubio, for taking it up right there on their terms. You know, it really leads to the question of what's behind all of this. Why? Why did we lose Bend the Curve? What happened to it?
Why are they so unwilling to give up the control that the government has confiscated over the past 11, almost now 12 months? Why do we still have people out there thinking we should mandate to each other our behaviors, our ability to make a living, work, children can go to school? What's truly behind that? What's that thought process? You tell me, deep down, why is it they don't want to move on? 866-408-7669. It's Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade on Fox News Radio. I've got some ideas. I think I know what's behind all this. I think I know the narcotic, the crack pipe that they're addicted to. When it comes to coronavirus restrictions, what is it they have to? In fact, they're jonesing to hold on to. We'll explore that next on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, Mr. Marsh, here's your DNA and me portfolio. This shows that we actually found a mix of a few things in your regional ancestry. Really? Like Native American? Like, like a little bit? No, we didn't find any trace of any Native American DNA in your test. Nuts. But as you can see here, we found that you're about 43% Northern European, 37% Mediterranean, and 18% Southwest Asian. In fact, your genetic profile most closely matches your standard Caucasian British person. <sighs> and you might be interested to know that you are actually 2.8% Neanderthal, which is fairly high. Neanderthal? What the hell is that about? Well, the Neanderthals were actually a species that was wiped out by Homo sapiens. Wiped out? All of my people? Yes, but you see, because of some crossbreeding, some people like you still possess Neanderthal DNA. Isn't that interesting? There you go. There's South Park talking about one of their characters having a little more Neanderthal than perhaps 
the walking population. He has a right then to be offended today because Joe Biden called anyone who embraces freedom, individual responsibility, a Neanderthal. It's Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today on Fox News Radio. If you like what you hear, go ahead and join the conversation with me. You can give me a call, 866-408-7669. You can follow me on Twitter, at Will Kane. Coming up in about one month, by the way, I hope you'll join me more often. I'll be launching the Will Kane podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network. So you can be hanging out, talking with me. Some of these bigger arguments that I like to lay out, I'll be able to do so on my own. Plus, I came from the world of sports, and I love my Cowboys, my Longhorns, my college and pro football. I'll be going back into sports as well. And I hope you join me on that ride on the Will Kane podcast coming up in April here with Fox News. So why? Why are people having such a hard time letting go of where this society has gone over the past year? Why are they having a hard time letting go of a mask mandate, of a free and open society, of 100% capacity businesses, of open schools? Why? It defies not just logic, but morality. Like, why would we impose that upon each other? So why? Why would they do so? Well, first, let's take this from the government side. I actually think it's the least interesting aspect of this because it's obvious. Of course, it's been the biggest expansion of government power. Many would-be authoritarians, governors, Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, mayors, Eric Garcetti in Los Angeles, Bill de Blasio in New York, Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. It's been the biggest expansion, not just of their power, but of their existence. I mean, this is why they were born, to rule over you, to tell you what to do with their enlightenment and their wisdom. It gives them purpose, and that's a drug that's going to be hard to give up. That's a narcotic that anyone, much less a government bureaucrat, would absolutely go into shakes withdrawals over letting go. So the government is actually, I think, the least interesting aspect of this. The more interesting aspect of your fellow citizens is your fellow citizens. Why would they do that? Because there is a constituency out there that says, I mean, scroll through social media that says, put your mask on, follow the science. The science doesn't say that you'd have a nationwide mandate. It's that one that's interesting to me because what I think that's about our fellow citizens, sometimes our family members, our friends, What they're jonesing for, what they're holding on to is unearned virtue. Like so many of those who adopt thoughts on the left, their virtue, their enlightenment is predicated on being better than you. And if they can like blindingly in almost a faith-based idea or way say, I believe in science and you don't, put on your mask, I wear a mask, you don't, then they get to call themselves your better. They're smarter. They believe in science. You don't. It's that unearned virtue. That's the drug that so many of our fellow citizens are addicted to. They're doing it when it comes to woke enlightenment, and they're doing it when it comes to masks, when we can make our own decisions, and we can be smart, and we can be responsible, and we can be free. Because if we're not, the cost to our children and the cost to our businesses and the cost to our lives is too high. Let me just illustrate for you quickly one of those costs. Jim in Connecticut is one of the people that has paid the cost for that unearned virtue seeking from our fellow citizens and that power from our authoritarian. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
experience. Jim, would you just tell me, I don't have a ton of time left. I have about one minute. Would you just tell me the cost on the other side of this ledger that you've had to pay? Well, the cost is that my son uh, took his life on February 4th. You know, I'm seeing more and more on the news. Um, I'm, I'm part of these statistics about young people and mental illness. And, you know, there's a 300% increase in people taking their own lives in the Northeast right now. And my son was a junior at Fairfield Ward High School in Fairfield, Connecticut, and had everything going for him. And, you know, he was battling depression. And I, I feel that it was compounded by uh, remote learning and uh, lockdowns associated with, with COVID. Jim, for sure. I'm, I'm so sorry. Here comes my commercial break. It's a hard break, Jim. I just want to tell you, thank you for sharing that personal experience. We're so sorry, all of us, for your loss. People need to realize this isn't about their virtue. There's much bigger costs being paid, and Jim just described one of those costs. More Brian Kilmeade Show coming up with Will Kane next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You know, if I think about a through line on all of these stories, a through line on the woke culture of the United States of America in 2021, a through line on COVID shutdowns, the desire of not just government authoritarians, but your fellow citizens to dictate what you do, the through line is you, how important you are to the equation. You're necessary because if you don't exist, how does the other mindset, how does the other side find their virtue? It's always you they're using as the trampoline. You that have to be more racist than them, which is false in almost every instance. You who has to be more Neanderthal than them by not accepting their science when it comes to shutdowns, which again, once again, is not scientific as well. It's false, but you are what's required. You're the reason for their existence. You have to be there to be beneath them. That's what's important. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. You can normally catch me on Fox and Friends Saturday and Sunday mornings. If you know who I am or paid attention to me in the years leading up to me joining Fox News, you knew I was in the sports world. I was at ESPN for five years, which meant I had a good time every day talking about football until woke culture infiltrated every aspect of our society. One of the guys whose work I didn't really get to participate in because he worked for Fox Sports at that time, but certainly respected and appreciated, is Outkick's Clay Travis. He's the founder of Outkick. He's the host of Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. He's on Fox Bet Live on FS1, and he's on the Brian Kilmeade Show right now with me. What's up, Clay? Doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. So I was just saying how important it is in, in woke ideology that we exist. Anybody who's beneath the, the enlightened, virtuous, woke member, it's whole ideology is built upon I am better than you. When I look at this latest story from the NBA, Clay, I think we keep coming back to that idea. So now China has said that homosexuality is a mental illness. It has designated a Chinese court. Homosexuality is a mental illness. And yet there's silence from the NBA, silence from LeBron James on this type of social justice issue. Instead, they're very happy to tell their fellow Americans how they are not enlightened, how they are insufficiently woke. But when it comes to a place where they make billions, Clay, 
silence. Why? Because they're hypocrites and because they will shut up and dribble for Chairman Z. And look, I don't really have a problem if a capitalistic-driven company decides that all they care about is making money, right? Like at least they are being consistent then because there are inherent challenges anytime a company is multinational because, as you know and all your listeners know, the rules and standards that apply in every country in the world are not necessarily the exact same as the United States. And so it can be difficult to traverse all of those cultural differences in running a major multinational corporation. But if you are the NBA and you are putting social justice warrior slogans on the back of your jersey and you are refusing to stand for the American national anthem and the coaches and the players and the league is going to relocate uh, the all-star game out of the state of North Carolina because of a transgender bathroom bill, then how in the world do you take billions of dollars from a country committing genocide? How in the world do you uh, sort of in any way mentally rationalize taking uh, all of that money and not being willing to stand up for what you believe in uh, for basic human rights, decency, and democracy? We're not talking about needing to get into the nitty-gritty of Chinese law. We're just basically saying, hey, do you believe that genocide is wrong, <laughs> which the United States government, both Democrats and Republicans, have agreed that China right now is committing genocide uh, with the Muslim Uyghur population uh, in their country right now? And so I think this is a failure not only of the NBA uh, when it comes to basic hypocrisy, but you know this too. It's a failure of everyone who cashes a paycheck covering the NBA because no one actually points out to LeBron when he gets up on his platform and talks about how he's always going to use his platform to speak just speak out uh, to uh, against injustice and all these things that he that he trots out there that then become headline news on the ESPNs and the Foxes and the CBSs and the NBCs of the world in the world of sports media and nobody actually says hey LeBron uh, understand that appreciate you speaking out so much in America do you believe that genocide is wrong. Uh, and hopefully he would say yes. Well, then why would you not say anything at all about China committing genocide against its citizens just so you can make sure that Space Jam 2 opens in <laughs> Chinese theaters? Like you are doing uh, the exact thing that you are claiming you are not, which is turning a blind eye towards uh, the situation in China when it makes you money. And look. The reality is being woke in America is making them money, right? It's well, not so that, necessarily costing them money, which is what's such so hypocritical. That's the point I want to follow up on. Clay Travis here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in for, for Brian Kilmeade today. So Mark Cuban, or an NBA owner, would explain that hypocrisy, would explain that inconsistency like this to you, Clay. They'd say, well, I only have so much power to – to influence Chinese policies. It's not in my backyard. I can't go around fixing everybody's problems, a point which you just now said you largely understand and to some extent would agree with. But Mark Cuban would say, I can influence politics locally. I can participate in my own backyard. But here's where that one falls apart to me, Clay. It's that are they making a principled stand here for certain issues they believe in, or do they believe it's fashionable in a way to continue to make money locally? So in other words, the hypocrisy is only predicated upon what they think is fashionable. I'm going to give you one example. So the other day, 
the captain of the Dallas Stars, Jamie Benn, liked an Instagram post by Candace Owens. I don't know if you saw this, Clay, but it was a post where Candace said, why am I trending now? Because I said men shouldn't play women's sports. This is insane. That's totally yeah. that's totally normal and, and scientific thought. And Jamie Benn liked it. And I was listening to local Dallas radio. And they were acting like this was a controversy for the stars. These radio hosts didn't think that two years ago. They didn't think it was controversial to say, well, men should stay in men's sports and women should stay in women's sports. But they get there through the process of fashion. It's just cool. It's fashionable. It's the easy road to take. And that's what American corporations are doing, not inconsistency in their principles, just floating with the trends. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, and, uh, and again, that's where a robust American media – would hold you know these corporations and these individuals accountable for their different and hypocritical stances. And look, um, I think it's pretty straightforward that that I love that LeBron named his production company uh, Shut Up and Dribble, but he will shut up and dribble for Chairman Z. It's not hard, right? We're not talking about you know to your point on Mark Cuban. We're not talking about him getting involved in incredibly difficult Chinese tax policy, right? Being in favor of democracy and being against genocide and supporting basic human rights, these are not controversial, difficult topics to be on the right side of. And, uh, and so I think what has happened is that, uh, to your point on local Dallas radio, uh, people are so afraid of losing their jobs that they won't say basically true statements like you just said. I mean it's crazy to me. Hey – the reason why we have men and women sports and separate them is because if men competed against women, then women would never win anything because men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. That's a biological fact, right? The stat that I saw, uh, the fastest woman in the history of the world, Will, last year, 300 high school men posted better track and field. High school. 300 of them. High school. 16, 17-year-old boys. Uh, were better than the fastest woman who has ever existed So in the history of our species. And so this idea that this is a level playing field when it comes to athletics, everyone understands that it isn't. And what I, what I love about that particular situation is you've got two different identities going head-to-head. This gets my wife, for instance, fired up because she's like, hey, as a feminist, I want for women to be able to compete for state championships and compete at a high level against other This was women. one of the biggest sports fights of the last couple of decades, Title IX, women's sports, and it's being yes, torn right. down by fashionable right thought in, in record time. And money and resources and fans, all those things are the very essence of the importance of women's sports. And traditionally, that would be something that women were very proud of. You raise your daughter – to be able to think, hey, I, one day I could be on the U.S. women's national team. One day I could be the fastest runner in the world uh, for a woman. And and now all of a sudden you're saying, I mean, look, the, the procedural posture, you know this as a lawyer as well, that almost gets no attention. The, the people who filed these lawsuits, like in Connecticut, for instance, uh, were girls who were otherwise trying to compete for state championships that suddenly had a man who was identifying as a woman start to run against them, and he crushed all these women and set 15 all-time Connecticut state women's records right. as a man identifying as a woman. Like, that is, like they used to make ridiculous movies. You remember Joanna Man? Like, I mean, right. pointing out how ridiculous this was going to be, that was a guy who pretended, if I remember correctly, pretended to be a girl to go pro in uh, women's basketball and just dominated. I never, and everybody kind of laughed you, off. I think I it was Jamie Fox. I give you a lot yeah, of credit. I didn't watch Joanna Man. 
So. I watched Juana Man back in the day. Uh, but that was that was hyperbolic, absurd, ridiculousness of, oh, we got a guy who's going to pretend to be a girl, and he's going to absolutely dominate. And, uh, and, and that's where we're headed. I mean, the, the good question is, you know, ESPN gave an ESPY to Caitlyn Jenner. Think about this. I mean, what if it had been four years after Bruce Jenner won the decathlon, he just decided to flip and become a woman? Like that raises a lot of interesting questions, right? Of course, he would have been the best woman decathlete in the in the world, but right. he's not actually biologically female, uh, and I think that matters. Clay Travis here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. So one more, Clay, and and just sort this out with me. I think I know the answer, but we both have we both have sort of agreed that what what companies like the NBA are doing is they're following fashionable thought trends in the United States because they think that's a fair business play. They'll adopt these radical ideas because these radical ideas are in fashion. But here's what I have trouble, and we can expand it out of sports because now we see this happening with Dr. Seuss, where eBay's pulling down Dr. Seuss books. I mean. Just a few years ago, President Obama was lauding Dr. Seuss books. Now they're too controversial to sell on eBay. So what I'm trying to figure out is this is clearly out of touch with the audience. I knew this when I was at ESPN. I knew that the message of so many commentators in ESPN was vastly out of touch with the audience, meaning ratings would go down. It wasn't good for business. It's not good for the bottom line. But more companies are making decisions that on the surface you'd go, wow, that's really out of touch with America. That's really out of touch with middle America and what would service their bottom line. So why are they making? Because corporate spinelessness, Clay, is at the bottom of much of this. And I'm just trying to figure out what are they doing because they're not really servicing their bottom line. It's a fantastic question, and my answer is there's lots of terrified white guys running these companies. I mean, I really – I mean, I think that's what it is, Will. I mean, I think there are a lot of CEOs of companies – that are not doing what's in the best interest of their company. They're doing what's in the best interest of preserving their job. So you don't lose your job if you're a multi-million dollar CEO by sending out an email saying, oh, we support woke culture. Oh, my God, I'm so horrified by what I saw happen in, in insert random anecdote that has gone viral in an email that you send out to your employees. And so it's not about what's in the best interest of the corporation. I think that's what a lot of people miss. It's about what's in the best interest of those corporate leaders propagating their ability to remain corporate leaders. Because if you're the unwoke guy, then somebody inside of your company says, oh, my God, look at insert CEO here. He belonged to this group, and look how racist they are, and this is the problem with white supremacy, and this is the problem with structural racism. And so these guys are bending over backwards, not in the best interest of their corporation, but in the best interest of their self-preservation. And frankly, I think that's what's happening across the entire culture. So many people are so terrified of saying what they actually believe that they're just doing whatever they think they need to do. To preserve their jobs. I think that's right. They're terrified of what saying what they actually believe and much of America actually believes and what is actually common sense, correct, and in most cases scientifically right. They're afraid of yeah. that because of small minorities on social media, minority viewpoints I'm talking about on social media who, who freak out. Then advertising agencies respond to that stuff, and advertising yeah. agencies wield power within corporate America. And then they're worried about mutinies inside of their own corporation, somebody stabbing them in the back to take their own job to what you just described. It's all an act of self-preservation. It's not, it's not something a corporate shareholder boardroom should be allowing to happen. That's the bottom and line. And also here, what to your point, Will, 100 people saying something on social media terrifies 
you if you haven't been in the middle of a social media implosion before for right, whatever right. you happen to say. These right. companies, like, they're like, oh, my God, 100 people are mad about this. Let's adjust. Let's adjust on the fly. The reality is, and I've been saying this for years, if you wait 24 hours, it moves on. the story goes away, and nobody yeah. cares. Like, Dr. Seuss doesn't need to pull books. Like, good Lord, are you kidding me? This is a 24-hour story. And then everybody goes back to Dr. Seuss being, you know, the normal, uh, the normal, you know, icon of uh, American right. children's literature that he has been for his entire life. You and I both know about that 24-hour outrage cycle, and it, you oh, can survive it. You know more than me. We've both been through several iterations of that. You will survive. Stand strong. Have a backbone, and stand on what you know is right. Don't Clay Travis, for what you believe. Period. Clay Travis of Outkick. Check out Outkick.com. Check out Outkick on Fox Sports Radio every morning. Check him out on Fox Bet Live in the afternoons on FS1. Clay, man, I love talking to you. Good to talk to you today. Hey, good stuff as always, Will. Keep up the good work. Take care, man. All right, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in the swirling waters of scandal are starting to pick up a little bit of momentum around Governor Andrew Cuomo. More on that coming up next. Getting past all the rhetoric, it's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Against all expectation, somehow, the media is starting to listen when it comes to Governor Andrew Cuomo. The swirling waters of scandal keep picking up momentum, and it looks like now he has to answer. Governor Andrew Cuomo will have to answer, not just for sexual harassment allegations, but for the cover-up in nursing home deaths in the state of New York. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. You can always join me at 866-408-7669. Follow me on Twitter at Will Kane. Coming up in one month, I hope you'll also join me on the Will Kane podcast on Fox News Podcasts, where we'll talk about these deep issues, culture, politics, sports, and break them down. Big arguments. Hear from people we disagree with and include you in that conversation as well. Here's what the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times are reporting this morning when it comes to Governor Andrew Cuomo. Quote, citing documents and people with knowledge of the administration's internal discussions reported that aides, including Secretary to the Governor Melissa DeRosa, pushed state officials to edit the July report so only residents who died inside long-term care facilities and not those who became ill there and later died at the hospital were counted. They pushed state health officials to edit the number of deaths in nursing homes to code them as hospital deaths, not nursing home deaths. Why did Andrew Cuomo think he could get away with this? Perhaps an adoring media that thought he could never do any wrong? Listen to this cut from an interview with Nora O'Donnell. Pandemic was obviously stressful for all of us, and he was on TV nearly every day talking about it. So you think all this national attention may have emboldened him? Absolutely. I think he felt like he was untouchable in a lot of ways. He thought he was untouchable in a lot of ways, and why wouldn't he? He had received nothing but adoration for his press conferences. In fact, he wrote a best-selling book in the middle. He won an Emmy 
which he deserved because that's an award for pretending, for acting. But pretending and acting might not get him through it anymore. Covered up deaths. They fudged the numbers. And there should be some accountability. Will should carry the day? We'll find out. More Brian Kilmeade show. Will Kane coming up. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. You know, one of my least favorite things about social media is that it sucks every ounce of humanity out of us, yes, but sucks every ounce of communication outside of literal direct words from the equation. You know, nonverbal communication, tone, all of that is gone when it comes to social media. All of that posturing is important to understand what someone means. Everything around the words being said have not just equal weight, but more weight than the words you are saying. So what does it say to you right now that your nation's capital is surrounded in razor wire, that there's more National Guard troops stationed in Washington, D.C. than in Iraq? And at the same time, the Biden administration sends messages, sometimes overt, but certainly in their posture, that the southern border of the United States is receptive, or at least at some point soon will be receptive, to illegal immigrants crossing the border. What does all that communication around the obvious words say to you about what our government believes in March of 2021? It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. It's Will Kane filling in for Brian today. You can normally catch me on Fox and Friends, just like Brian, but on Saturdays and Sundays instead of Monday through Friday. On those Saturdays and Sundays, I hang out with my friends, Jedediah Bila and... The great Pete Hegseth, who joins me now on the Brian Kilmeade Show. And if there's anybody who can help answer that question about what it all means, razor wire and National Guard troops, it's a man who served himself. What's up, Hegseth? What's up, brother? How are you? i got to ask you first, though. How is it in Texas with the masks off? Is it amazing? Well, here's two admissions I want to make to both Pete and the audience. I'm broadcasting to you live from Texas today. I'm in this sort of limbo, weird transition in life. Am I back to being a Texan? Have I moved out of New York? I don't know. I don't know those big questions in life right now. But in the small town where I'm from, Pete, masks have kind of gone by the wayside for quite some time. There's still a lot of responsibility out there on the individual level, but there's nobody enforcing, hey, you must put your mask on. So I feel about as free today as I did yesterday, which is uh, what a free man should feel like. Well, that means my geographic envy of you uh, is maintained uh, in, the, in the People's Republic of New Jersey. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, listen, it is amazing that the double standards and how telling they are in our nation uh, couldn't be more glaring than it is right now. And I, I, I talk to guys that are involved in the D.C. mission, in that capital mission. I, I know a lot of them having served uh, in the in the national in the D.C. National Guard, and you know, off the record to me, they'll say, "Listen, there's we, we don't know why we're here. There is no there is no threat." I mean, you hear you hear senators and congressmen say chatter. It's always chatter. There's chatter on the web. Ch- we can find chatter anywhere. It doesn't mean it's you're substantiating it and it's an actual threat assessment. 
Uh, and so they're using it as a justification to continue to make it appear uh, that January 6th is the worst thing that's ever happened in our country. It truly was an insurrection, an attempt to topple the government, uh, you know, hatched by Trump supporters. And as a result, any, any level of vetting or crackdown is not just justified but, but potentially necessary. And you hear that from the far left voices of the party. And then you turn around to our southern border where you know, I think it was this morning on Fox & Friends there were – there was footage of, of border roads that were meant to help build the wall. Now it's being used to more quickly facilitate getting through the wall uh, because they refused to finish it. So this is this is the dichotomy of the Biden administration right now, for sure. Absolutely. And I think all that context is important. One of the things you could appreciate about Donald Trump over the past four years is he pretty much said exactly what he meant. It was pretty well plain spoken. What I'm getting mm-hmm. at here and talking about all the context and it's not nonverbal communication, but it's it's mixed messages. It's 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 judging someone by their actions when it comes to the Biden administration is I'm just trying to figure out what are you communicating to me? Because it's not at face value. So let's walk through this, Pete. So, of course, yeah. January 6th was bad. It was a riot. It was something we never want to see repeated. But from that, then, we get this massive national defense posture in our nation's capital. We're talking razor wire. I believe my stats are right that there's more National Guard stationed in D.C. right now they are. than in Iraq. And so we have this, and, and the timeline has been extended over and over. Now, here's what I want to walk through with you. So remember after January 6th and the days immediately after and around that, there was talk of massive security risks at state capitals across the United States, and nothing really happened there. Now, I don't know. Does that mean the intel was wrong? Does that mean they stopped it? But it certainly wasn't the threat to state capitals that they painted the picture of, right? For sure. I mean, I've met I've met in my travels many people who were there on January 6th and were there in the peaceful capacity, in the mostly peaceful protest, uh, right. as the left likes to characterize things. Uh, and and they certainly didn't know anything like this was going to happen. And the far fringes of what did happen, the rioters who were responsible, were not difficult to identify and, and are being dealt with. But there was never this idea that was going to reverberate to state capitals where people were going to mouch on them and take them. This, this is a straw man. It's a classic straw man right. in an attempt to make your opponent a domestic terrorist more than just a political opponent, but a threat to the republic or democracy, as they would put it. And therefore, any level of censorship, any level of surveillance, any level of, of prosecution is justified. And that's a scary, scary place. And it has people looking over their shoulder wondering, you know, what, what am I allowed to have as a political opinion while serving in uniform? How openly can I do that? As a National Guardsman, you actually do have the right to the First Amendment and your own perspective when you're not on active duty. Can you imagine a voicing support for President Trump or, or anything like that in that context? That's a bad place to be when being in uniform shouldn't be red or blue. But our, a lot of people in uniform right now are in a dicey spot. I think that's right. I think what you just said is right. It is the excuse to continue with this emergency powers they've granted themselves while also painting their political opponents as domestic terrorists. That's what it is. And and here's the way it's unfolded. It didn't happen in state capitals the way they predicted. Then they extended it further because of what you said, chatter on the web. Then they canceled a congressional session recently because there was supposed yes. threat. They left their offices. Again, nothing happened. Now, that may mean our national security apparatus is amazing at sniffing this stuff out and snuffing it out, or it could mean they're overhyping this stuff and not sharing the intel. Now, listen listen to this, Pete, really quickly, because this is Victor Davis Hansen on Tucker, and he's talking about what you said. This, this emergency powers, and you and I have talked about this on Fox and Friends on the weekend when it comes to the COVID-19 relief bill. When you keep mm-hmm. describing everything as an emergency, well, then 
you can cover up any manner of sin, right? You can continue to hoard your powers and pass new powers because, hey, we're in a dire emergency. Listen to Victor Davis Hanson. We haven't heard one word from the 280 generals and national security officials that damned Donald Trump and said, don't dare bring one federal uh, soldier in when the St. John's uh, Church was torched on June 6th and 7th, and there was a threat to spill into the White House. It was what Rahm Emanuel called in 2008, uh, never let a serious crisis go to waste as he tried to push through Obamacare. It was what Gavin Newsom said when he locked down the state of California, and he said, never let a crisis go to waste if you want to have a more progressive capitalism. It's what Hillary Clinton said in April when she said this quarantine will allow us to have a Obamacare uh, ratified throughout the country. That's what it's about. So, Pete, let's cut through it really quickly here. Again, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Cain filling in for Brian today, hanging out with Pete Hegseth, my fellow co-host on Fox and Friends on the weekend. Let's just cut through it then. So never let an emergency go to waste. Mm-hmm. So the, the reason in the end that there's razor wire and our national capital's capital is, is militarized is so that they can vilify their political opponents and retain this these emergency powers? I think so. I mean, you, you can overdo it, but sometimes it's fun to play that, that little game of what if it was Trump, which is what Victor Davis Hansen said at the beginning of it. And I having as someone who was there in Lafayette Square when it was under siege in my capacity with the National Guard holding a riot shield, I can tell you, had there been a, a, a less of a response, had there been more uh, of a push on the other side, things could have gone in many different directions. It would have been well justified to call in more National Guard, and they did. But had they stayed any more than two or three days, it would have been he's setting up an armed camp so that he can make sure he gets a second term no matter what. So in this particular context, instead, Nancy Pelosi has nominated General Honore, who's a known partisan, who's now recommended that there be a reserve force forever, permanently on Capitol Hill. So apparently if you're not Donald Trump, you can get away with building a base on Capitol Hill and staffing it permanently. The question is, when do the walls come down? Tell me when the walls come down. Tell me when the intelligence is such uh, that, that we don't need it anymore. And that's the question they can never answer, and they don't want to answer, and they're not interested in answering. And the press won't ask them either. Joe Biden, we can't even find him, so there's no way he's going to answer it. Uh, and, and it leads it, – it's dispiriting because it, it's only one side that gets to play that game, and they do it well. In fact, I want to follow up on a lot of the things Pete said so eloquently right there coming up a little bit later in this hour. I'm going to talk about those same that same rationale is the reason that COVID-19 relief bills will continue into eternity because the emergency never ends. And, and I also want to talk about this idea Pete talked about, you know, it's different under Trump. It's different under Trump. Situational ethics, you know, the big lie the left likes to talk about. What about the lies they've been telling? These ethics are really convenient to when it serves their political purposes. All right, man, last thing with you. We, you know, I, I, I hate to hit you with one last serious topic. You and I talk about this all the time. I, I, when do we reach terminal velocity? Like when do we reach a level of absurdity that Americans stand up and go no more? And on this one, I'm talking about cancel culture, Pete. I'm talking about Dr. Yeah. Seuss. I'm talking about Aunt Jemima. I'm talking about I can't even keep up anymore with everything and everyone yeah. that's been canceled from Drew Brees to the Washington Redskins. When at some point does somebody or everybody just go, okay, enough? You don't get to bully everyone out of everything. My question is, what, what do people think their recourse is right now? That's the troubling part for me. Um, it, 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 they look around and say, of course enough is enough. I'm done. When does it stop? And then they say, but how do I stop it? And where, where, where do I go? Do I, if, if my school board's been politicized and the unions control it all and Hollywood's controlled and the media's controlled and social media, I can't speak. 
it, it is very dispiriting. And, and you know, I, I don't know. They'll, they will overreach. They already have. They're getting close, uh, and they'll keep, keep pushing because they think they can get away with it. But where, where – tell me. You tell me. We get to yell about it on TV and the radio, but where, where do you make it stop? Where do you well, get I, the sanity back? I want to believe – it's through consumerism. Like, I'm not going to spend my money with people that adopt these radical philosophies or these ideologies or these positions. I'm not going to spend my money with them anymore. But the truth is, it's so integrated in mainstream culture, it's hard. Like, you go to the grocery store and you say, I'm not going to buy from who because they're, they're doing what crazy now? Coke, Coke, Coca-Cola, you know, just put their employees through a training where essentially they required them to look through their own racial prism at everything and who's good and who's bad based upon race. That's Coca-Cola. So, you, you know, I mean, it's hard. Like, how do you make consumer decisions when everything right now in our culture is going this way? And I can tell you it's a cultural fight, Pete, but I, I, it's yep. difficult to say how do you fight back against what now is mainstream culture. It, it looks like, uh, you know, is it mainstream? That's the whole point, though. It's not mainstream culture. It's just mainstream no, culture call, that everyone is force-fed. either. It, yeah, exactly. I don't, we should never call them the mainstream media anymore at all. They are, they are the left-wing media. There's nothing mainstream about it. If anything, you and I represent a mainstream perspective uh, of you know, the, the way the First Amendment used to operate. Um, they're the ones completely out of touch. I think you just have to keep exposing them, keep shaming them, and fight back the way they fight. Don't, don't tiptoe. And that's, I think, a lesson Trump taught us is just come back at it double barrels, be open and honest, and, and don't hold back. Every time you hold back or afraid to refute them, they gain another you know, piece of ground. So Pete Hegseth, Fox & Friends weekend co-host along with me. Um, I'll let you go, Pete. I'll just leave you with this. I was talking to Clay Travis of OutKick a little bit earlier, and we were talking about corporations bending to these outrage mobs. And one of the things mm-hmm. Clay said, and he's absolutely right, is, look, these things last about 24, 36 hours. You don't even have to so have true. that big of a backbone. You don't have to have that much spine. You just got to have about 36 hours worth of spine. I've been through it. Clay's been through it. Man, you've been through it this week. And let me just tell you something. I'm proud of you. I think you're doing a great job. Um, it's all good for you. Anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, you can probably just Google Pete Hegseth trending in some way. But Pete's been through the yeah. ringer this week, but he's doing a great job, man. I always love hanging out with you. It's all good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend with you, man. All right. See you, Pete. That's Pete Hegseth here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in for Brian. So I want to talk about that. Let's talk about Governor Andrew Cuomo. Let's talk about the quote-unquote big lie and media's situational ethics. Let's talk about all of that and when these emergency powers end. It's Will Kane filling in for Brian on the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. You know, it's not just razor wire. It's not just the nation's capital. It's not just the militarization of Washington, D.C. That emergency powers are allowing Democrats, uh, allowing power-hungry politicians to commandeer and keep. It's also government spending. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. You can 
Always join the conversation at 866-408-7669. Follow me on Twitter at Will, W-I-L-L, Kane, C-A-I-N. I hope you'll join me at the beginning of April when I launch a podcast on Fox News Podcast, the Will Kane Podcast. I'll build out my arguments. I've got a lot to say. Lay them out as I'm sometimes conversationally OCD to do. You know, one, two, three. Lay out my arguments and bring them up with people that I often disagree with. See if they can poke holes in it. Plus, get back to talking about sports. I just want you to hang out. I think we've got some good things, some good big fights that we have to continue. You know, I'm talking about this idea of if everything's an emergency, you grant yourself all kinds of emergency powers to solve those emergencies. Insurrection on January 6th, militarize the Capitol. COVID, economic shutdowns, economic crisis as a result, and it was, and Americans did need help, but it really, really begs the question, when does that end? When does the emergency end? When do we stop passing big spending bills? When do we stop writing checks? When do we just open up and allow Americans to get back to work and not subsidize them and their inability to work? When do we let Americans go about self-reliance and not write checks? Well, self-reliance is a problem for anybody hoping for you to need them, a.k.a. a politician. So write checks, pass bigger bills, more COVID-19 relief bills, even if they don't actually help. The latest one, $1.9 trillion, it's something like 9%, actually goes to helping Americans. The other 91% is pork. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana described it like this. It's chock full of spending porn, billions of dollars to states and local governments that have have seen their revenues go up, billions of dollars to pension programs, billions of dollars to schools with no requirement that they open. Um, It's it's an orgy of pork. And and using a so-called coronavirus bill as an excuse to, uh, to fund pork is like looting a bad after idea. a natural disaster. And funding more de- dependency. Senator Kennedy has a way with words, a spending orgy. What do you say? Government spending porn. <laughs> He's really good at drawing metaphors and analogies. If everything is a crisis, then any type of response to that crisis is forgiven. Never let a crisis go to waste. Militarize the capital. Keep writing big checks. Rack up government debt. When does the crisis end? The crisis in our culture, I'm afraid, is just beginning. This is serious. Cancel culture is real. And now it's Dr. Seuss. Rebecca out in California has something to say about that. What's up, Rebecca? Oh, I have a challenging thought for you. Okay, you know how cancel culture is all over everything. Well, with the Dr. Seuss. Well, what about uh, American Dad, Family Guy, South Park? Hmm. You should watch some of those episodes. Quite racist on many of them, and and of course they're they're fun and and poking, but still, it's out there. It's all over YouTube. So why isn't that being canceled? Who's responsible for putting those? shows out are they democrat backed look i'll take your example rebecca i'll see one if dr seuss is canceled why isn't mein kampf by adolf hitler because it remains for sale on ebay today this is serious this isn't a small issue even though the left likes to act like it's a small culture fight this is actually everything i explain next will kane on the brian kilmeade show from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. You know, I'm increasingly of the mindset that if the quote-unquote mainstream media tells you one thing, the truth is in the opposite. I don't think that makes me a conspiracy theorist. I think that makes me right. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. It's always fun hanging out with you. You can catch me on Fox and Friends, co-hosting on Saturday and Sunday mornings. I hope you come and hang out there as you have your morning coffee with me, Pete Hegseth, and Jedediah Bila. My buddy Pete was on the show just a little bit earlier. He said, Will, don't call them the mainstream media because they're the left-wing media and it's extreme points of view. But it's also a point of view that increasingly dictates everything in our society, including canceling anything that has a lifespan beyond yesterday. Dr. Seuss is the latest example. You know, here's what the mainstream media is telling you on these culture cancellation issues. Ah, it's not that big a deal. Oh, you're freaking out. You're, you're beating that drum for money, forcing outrage. So Aaron Rupar, who he is doesn't matter. Vox, Washington Post, I don't know. I'm talking about Fox talking about Dr. Seuss for several days in a row. Come on, it's not a real story. Brian Stelter at CNN, quote-unquote media critic, and Ellsworth Tui of the modern day, enforcing groupthink on everyone. Forwards the same kind of line, like distraction. Fox talked to you about Mr. Potato Head becoming not Mr., not Mrs., just gender generic Potato Head. And that's not a big deal. Instead, we should focus on what? What do you want to focus on? Passing another $1.9 trillion? What is it you want to focus on? Because this is the whole ball of wax. CNN's Mr. Potato Head. This is the whole ball of wax. Or gender neutral Potato Head. This is it. This is the whole thing. This is our culture. And if you want to cancel Dr. Seuss, Drew Brees, the Washington Redskins, Mr. Potato Head, and I can't remember however many other hundreds of examples there are over really, what a breakneck whiplash speed. What are we talking about? Seven, eight months? Like when did all this really begin and begin to pick up speed? May? One after another. Dominoes falling. No good, no good, no good. This doesn't work in society. And again, Dr. Seuss is the latest example. So first of all, why? Okay. Why is this happening? Let's talk about it from um, the outrage mob's perspective and the corporate mob's perspective. We'll start with the outrage mob because they're the ones that are the tail wagging the dog right now. Get onto social media, freak out about whatever it may be. Cause enough of an uproar, a stink, with a handful of other people, amplify your voice, and scare everyone to hell. And get your desired wish fulfilled, something canceled. By the way, it's an entire movement of destruction, not creation. You can't get together that same outrage mob to create something new, that outrage mob to come up with or create something. That takes real ingenuity. That takes time. That takes backbone. No, but you're really good at destroying. doesn't take many people to come together, freak out, be offended, and destroy. This movement of destruction starts with this outrage mob, and what is that about? It's about hate, and I know it. It's about hate. Okay? It's, at first you think self-loathing, American culture. We hate America. What is America about? We're the bad guy in every story. We're the anti-hero. We're the colonizer. We're the bad actor in the plot of this movie. So it's self-loathing as Americans, but the truth is it's not self-loathing, it's you loathing. They need you. They need to hate you to love themselves. They need 
you to be bad for them to be virtuous. They have no external way of creating that virtue. Or rather, how about this? They have no internal way. They can't look inside. Largely doesn't accept concepts like Judeo-Christian values, higher principles to find your self-worth. No, you've got to find somebody worse than you so that you're good. Look, he's racist. That means I'm not. Look, he doesn't accept or she doesn't accept whatever our current views on gender are. I do because I tweeted yesterday or I read Twitter, so I know what the current fashionable viewpoint is. So I'm better than you. It's always, I wear a mask, you don't. I'm better than you. It's always external virtue. So it's not self-loathing, it's you-loathing. And then it's that narcotic of power. I can dictate your behavior. I can erase history. I can rewrite it in my own image. What a drug. What a crack pipe. That's what's going on the outrage mob side. But perhaps I think more concerning is what's happening on the corporate side, the weakness side. Because there's always going to be crazy people that want to be offended by something. By the way... I worked at ESPN for a long time before coming over to Fox, and I remember sitting down to have a beer with a guy, a guy that I like generally, and we were talking about, he's a host on that network, and we were talking about the Washington Redskins, and this, this was several years ago, by the way, so this was a real precursor to the cancel culture movement and trend of today, and I said, listen, here's the, here's the history of the Washington Redskins, here's what the name means, Here's why it's not universally, not even predominantly seen as a racist concept. It came from here. Here's the entomology of the word. I understand at times it was adopted you know, 70 years ago in a negative light, but it's moved on from that. It's somewhat honorable. There are people that offend it, yeah, but like then I brought up the stats, and there's been several polls of Native Americans and how they feel about that, that mascot, about that, about that nickname. And I was showing him, like, look, you know, like, the Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team, are the most popular team among Native Americans. Why is that? So, so what percentage of offended people, what percentage of, of outraged people are the ones that you listen to? Because among Native Americans, it would, it would appear the majority actually like it, like the name, like the, like, the, like the mascot. And he said, well, if one person is offended, then it's enough to listen to. I said, one, one. You can find one person offended by anything. So why are corporations bending to these extreme minority viewpoints? Why is that happening? Because that's the real cultural change. That's the one that's listening and responding and changing. Tom in Gainesville, Georgia, what's up? You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. Hey, Will. Um, wow, what you just said in the last few minutes. That was awesome, dude. Anyway, um, I got something on Dr. Seuss, but real quick, if I may, first. The troops in D.C. need to do an about-face and detain those in elected office, thus protecting the rest of America from the crazies on the left and the cowards on the right. Okay, now, Dr. Seuss. But imagine that. Wouldn't that be like in a movie? That would be a fan fantasy movie, but <laughs> that would be a great scene. Anyway, okay. I've heard a couple of big-time conservative talkers, and I'm very upset with them. Say, well, we could just change a few of the words or, you know, whatever in Dr. Seuss's. No, what if I were king of the forest, I would say to the Seuss people, the publishers or the ownership, whoever owns the copyright, to say, put it, put a thing, not a disclaimer, but an explanation. This was an evolution over time. Da 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 da. We can, our conclusion as his family and as his publishing company is that there was never any intent 
here, and, and, and really it's hard to dredge up even in the words any problem. And so, but if you, if you, you can follow this guy's life and in his entire body of work, what's the problem? So what, what these conservative talkers, not you, sir, but the ones I heard the other day, are allowing is a revision. You can revise the words, the text. No, explain it. Mm. Put some commentary in there if you'd like as publishers or as family, the Seuss family. Right. Do not withdraw. Do not back up. Do no. not bend. You're exactly the right, Tom. To I appreciate crazies. the call. Because you know what this is? I appreciate the call, Tom. This is sharks circling. This is hyenas. That's better than sharks. This is hyenas circling a wounded prey because they look for weakness. It's not the type of animal that looks you face to face and says, let's have this debate. Let's persuade each other. Let's go into the public sphere and actually have these ideas aired out. This is sniffing out weakness to attack and destroy. You're exactly right. You cannot back down. Now, First of all, let's talk again about Dr. Seuss. Right now, eBay has said they're going to take down Dr. Seuss books because they're not culturally appropriate or sensitive or they're offensive or whatever it may be, right? Well, right now today on eBay, Mein Kampf is still available. Mein Kampf, the famous tome by Adolf Hitler. That's available, but Green Eggs and Ham is a problem. The Communist Manifesto is available on eBay today. The thoughts and works of Louis Farrakhan, an anti-Semite, are available today on eBay. But Dr. Seuss is beyond the pale. You tell me about that. Help me understand that. By the way, on Amazon right now, Dr. Seuss books are nine of the top ten selling books, which, by the way, makes me a little bit suspect because this whole thing started, by the way, with Dr. Seuss self-censoring, the publishers of Dr. Seuss self-censoring, saying we're going to stop putting out, I believe it was one or two books that they thought didn't live up to modern-day standards. So Dr. Seuss does that. eBay responds. Dr. Seuss books boom on Amazon. I'm a little bit skeptical because here's the thing. I've lost faith in corporate America. Everybody, okay? I've lost faith in corporate America and their ability to have a backbone and do what's right, even what's right for their bottom line. Every time you turn around, there's corporations making decisions based upon that small, extreme, radical minority viewpoint. Every time. It's not in their bottom line. Do you think – that, I don't know, pick, pick your, your, your product that has been discontinued, Uncle Ben's Rice. Do you think that Uncle Ben's Rice was really something, first of all, by canceling Uncle Ben's Rice, did you make race relations better in America? Congratulations. It's better today than it was yesterday? That, that's a brand that took, I, I would imagine, decades, if not a century, to build up, and now it's destroyed. No matter what you rename it, it's gone. You're not going to have the same kind of brand loyalty and sales that you had before. So you're not responding to any type of real bottom line interest. You're responding again to an extreme, offended viewpoint. So why? Why are corporations so weak? Here's a couple of reasons, okay? I'm, again, I have conversational OCD. So here's three. Number one, this extreme viewpoint has taken hold in ad agencies and corporate partners across America. So what happens on the media side is, say, an ad agency goes, well, we're not going to advertise on your media network if you say X, Y, Z, which, which, by the way, is extreme and not rational to the ad agency's point of view. Not the media organization's point of view. So now all of a sudden a media company that would be strong goes, well, shoot, we, gotta, we, gotta, we can't lose money. We've got to have the same mores and values and viewpoints as the ad agency. We've got to do that. got to do that or we, can't, we lose our ad dollars. Same thing internally. Hire a bunch of young people who went to indoctrination school at Yale or wherever it may be, and they work inside your company. And if they're outraged, well, now you've got a corporate mutiny on your hand. So 
may hurt our customer base. It may not be reflective of our of, of America, of, of our consumers, but can't have a mutiny on our hands. That's number two. Number three, how about just cold self-preservation? Clay Travis of Outkick.com and Outkick on Fox Sports Radio was on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane filling in today a little bit earlier. And Clay said, look, this is about corporate CEOs. They're not serving their customers, their bottom line, their shareholders. They're serving their own self-interest because they know if they aren't sufficiently woke, if they don't cancel, somebody else inside will stab them in the back to get their position and say, oh, I saw this incident or I believe this was wrong, and I can therefore be the next CEO who serves our woke purposes. The point is it's all driven by things outside of traditional American values, mainstream opinion, corporate bottom line. It's all weakness responding to the hyenas that want to erase or change history. And this is real and this is big. This is not some small segment on Fox or on your radio dial. This is not some outrage machine fight. This is it. Because I would ask you one simple question. You can answer this. 866-408-7669. Do you have any faith that there's a stopping point, that there's terminal velocity? As this picks up steam, the better question isn't, what gets canceled, but what doesn't? What remains? A blank slate starting from yesterday? Honestly, that's the goal point. Because that's the most empowering place the outrage mob can stand. Nothing exists behind it, only what exists in front of it. And they can dictate the terms of culture, policy, power, everything. But it is a self-consuming, self-defeating, zero-sum game. Because you got to keep finding somebody else that's worse than you, somebody to cancel, and tell you there's just you standing alone in that blank space. And you are the only virtuous one. You've canceled everything around you and everyone around you. No history, no future, ultimate power. And then you're alone. It's Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in some of your calls coming up next. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. It is the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio, but it's Will Kane filling in for Brian today. I do it every weekend on Fox and Friends, Saturday and Sunday morning with my buddy Pete Hexeth and Jedediah Bila. Hope to join me then. I hope to join me in one month when we launch the Will Kane podcast on Fox News Podcast. Some of the thoughts I just laid out when it comes to culture, some of my bigger arguments, bigger thoughts. I'll have time and room to stretch my legs and do that. And then also hear from people that I disagree with. Maybe you. Maybe here, if there's any flaws in my argument, maybe have a little fun, too. Get back to talking about sports, placing the occasional wager or two. I hope you'll join me there. You can join me on Twitter, at Will Kane, on Instagram, at C. Will Kane, or here on the phone lines at 866-08-7669. Like Freddie in North Carolina. What's up, Freddie? Uh, how, are you, how are you doing? Good, good to talk to you. You too, man. <clears throat> so, um, you know, the, the whole going on what you you know you're going on the, the culture uh, cancel thing and, and and you know where it's really going to take us how ridiculous it is with the with the dr seuss and the the 
you know, the, the Coca-Cola bears, Mr. Potato Head, you know, and I was thinking, well, are they going to take it to uh, chicken meat next? Because there's dark meat, white meat, and what are we going to do about that? I mean, are we going to put numbers on it now? Meat number one, meat number two, and what's number five and number six going to think about that? So when does this stop? And, you know, well, I what? saw this this morning, Freddie. I saw, I appreciate the call. I saw Ben Shapiro tweet this. Ben's a smart guy, good thinker. Um, you remember the Berenstein Bears, the kids' book series, the Berenstein Bears? Uh, I believe there was a couple pages in there, and I don't remember. I think everything rhymes in the Berenstein Bears, like 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 Dr. Seuss it says, every bear is a he-bear or a she-bear. Uh-oh. Time to cancel the Berenstein Bears? There's literally no terminal velocity. There's literally no wind. You can't project it. What... At what point do you go, well, that's crazy. That would never get canceled. You can't. You can't do it. Can't come up with an endpoint. It's not a slippery slope. It's a It's a slope that you're guaranteed to slide down. Look for the bottom. Shepherd in Gainesville, Florida. What's up, Shepherd? Hey, good Good morning. This is Ocala, Florida. I just wanted to point out – no, that's okay. I just wanted to point out I saw the seeds of this back in the early 90s. I worked in a fire truck and ambulance factory back then, and I listened to conservative talk radio. I was listening to my local show, Dr. Laura, and then Rush, while many of my coworkers were listening to their shock jocks, and they had their modern music on with the filthy lyrics and all that. And I would have to be I would have to walk by their workstations to be offended. I didn't like their programming, but I didn't say anything. But they launched a campaign to get my radio shut off. And it just got to the point the plant manager said, well, if I shut his radio off, I'm shutting everyone's radio off. Mm. They could not stand it that I was a blue collar conservative in a, in a factory. I, I would and I was canceled in a, what they would use today. Nobody would eat lunch with me. No one would associate with me. No, a lot of people didn't want to work with me. Mm-hmm. And I said, why? Because of my political views? And they told me, yes. I said, look, I want to see your quality issues as opposed to my quality issues. Right. They said, that doesn't matter, Mr. Know-it-all. Shepard, I hear you. It's not going anywhere. And it's been here for a while. But what it's doing is picking up a breakneck level of speed. And Steve. More Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane coming up. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. You ever notice, I'm sure you have, that when unaccompanied minors of illegal immigrants crossed the border during the Trump administration, it was kids in cages, quote, kids in cages. When it happens under the Biden administration, it's some other benign, innocuous term, comfortable detention centers. You ever notice the situational ethics of Chris Cuomo covering his brother, Governor Andrew Cuomo, favorably when it's all going well? Sunshine. Media applause. But when it's time for accountability and the truth comes in, a lie can no longer be told, it wouldn't be right to report on such a close family member. You ever notice the situational ethics? I know that you have. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian today. You can catch me 
Saturday and Sunday mornings co-hosting Fox and Friends with Pete Hegseth and Jedediah Bila. You can also catch me one month from now on a new Fox News podcast, the Will Cain podcast. We'll have these big conversations like we've been having all morning and subjecting that, by the way. Essentially, to cross-examination, let's hear from people that disagree with us. Let's see if our arguments hold up. Let's have some fun, by the way. Let's talk some sports here and there. A little bit later in this hour, I want to talk to you about those situational ethics. Because what I want to talk about is, quote, the big lie. You've heard CNN talk about the big lie. You've heard Joe Biden talk about the big lie. I want to know, is this a principle that you stand by? Is this something that CNN has ingrained into its DNA, or is it also situational ethics? Do they tell their lies? Do they cost people lives? Are cities burned on their lies? Or is it all just a partisan game? That's coming up a little bit later here on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. But I want to bring in now the host of Fox News at night. It's Shannon Bream here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Good morning, Shannon. Will, great to be with you. You know, last time we were together on the radio, it was here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, you said something that I said. Pull that sound. I think I played it when I filled in at 7 p.m. at night, talked about it. You said something fascinating. I said, you know, if, if Democrats get control, what, what will they do first? What is it they want to do top of their wish list? And, and you said to me, and, and I had speculated, consolidate power, change the procedure, make it so there are fewer hurdles and impediments to – checking off their agenda and their wish list. You said at that time it might be statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. We talked about the filibuster. We talked about many, many different ways they could go about coalescing this power by changing the dynamics of power. So here we are. I want to follow up with you some months later talking again. I mean, Joe Biden has embraced executive orders. That's certainly something he's done. What do you think he'll do? What do you think they will do? We've already heard talk of doing away with the filibuster, what will, be they, what will they do to try to coalesce power and change procedure? Yeah, they're definitely playing with that. We continue to hear it come up. Uh, their one problem on this front is Joe Manchin, uh, the Democrat from West Virginia. The senator continues to say, uh, I'm not for these radical things. They're going to have to get past me. And um, what don't you understand about me saying, no, I'm not going to do things like get rid of the filibuster. So it's interesting because it's creating sort of this um, internal situation for the Democrats where the progressives are like, you know, we don't like the Senate parliamentarians ruling on the $15 minimum wage. We should probably just fire her. How can we get rid of Joe Manchin? Um, You know, and they're frustrated because they feel like they had a seat at the table during the campaign and that President Biden promised them or assured them that he would work towards certain ends. And progressives now are seeing listen, he's not giving us what we thought we were going to get, um, so why not blow up the filibuster? Why not do some other things that will get us closer to these goals, sort of our progressive wish list that we had outlined? So I think the filibuster is definitely in the crosshairs, um, but Joe Manchin may be the man in the history books that stops it from happening. What do you think the feeling is about Joe Biden right now on that far left? Are they pleased? Are they displeased? Do they feel like they're getting accomplished what they wanted to, or are they feeling frustration? Yeah, I think they're definitely feeling frustration. We're hearing it publicly. I'm hearing it, you know, privately, too. There are people who who say, um, you know, when you give up backing Bernie Sanders and say, okay, our ideas as um, 
ultra progressives are going to be incorporated, and that's why we're going to get behind Joe Biden and vote for him. Um, they feel like a little bit of bait and switch right now. I mean, it's early, but he is doing a lot through his executive orders that, you know, just goes right around Capitol Hill, so they don't have to deal with that headache. Um, but they are frustrated. They're talking about those things, like we said, getting rid of, of the filibuster. Uh, that's probably, you know, the COVID bill is going to get through probably on reconciliation, which is another kind of procedural sleight mm-hmm. of hand that gives them an advantage. And yesterday we started to hear reports that they may try to do the reconciliation process for immigration, again, meaning they would only need their 50 votes plus one with the vice president. So um, they're definitely looking for ways around this president because they feel like he's not yet living up to their progressive ideals. But that reconciliation process, which you just brought up, look, I think for some people listening, and this is a very intelligent audience that Brian Kilmeade has cultivated, so I don't put anything past understanding every single arcane government term. But still, I think it gives me white brain. It's just white, you know what I mean, uh, white uh, noise in my brain, Mm -hmm. like reconciliation next. Can we talk about what's next? Same thing with filibuster. These are words that just kind of make you want to go, I'm bored. But but they're important because they are the procedures that we're talking about. Reconciliation is how Obamacare was passed. It was right. what it was what the Democrats used to, as you just described, avoid having to get 60 votes to pass this major governmental change mm-hmm. and only do it with 51 votes. And you're mm-hmm. telling me today, we heard that when it comes to the COVID-19 bill that they w- might use reconciliation. You're also hearing immigration. What would they want to do with immigration through reconciliation? You know, all kinds of possibilities. Um, they want a pathway to citizenship, which there are a lot of uh, Republicans who agree, listen, let's try to figure out how many people are here illegally and, and work out what we could do for them. Um, but talking about, you know, more more um, you know, immediately, um, non-deportations, uh, the Dreamers protections for people who were brought here as kids, but maybe you know, 30 plus years old now. Um, there are all kinds of things I think that they would want to change uh, about immigration, about the process, about legalizing people. Um, and you know, I think people have compassion. The polling shows people want some kind of solution for for the folks who are here um, and didn't come here on their own volition if they were kids or whatever else happened. But on the other side of that argument, there's still a lot of uh, Republicans on the Hill who will say, listen, you don't want to create situations that are then magnets. You know, you do amnesty like uh, happened in the 80s, um, and it and it loops in a lot of people, grandfathers and a lot of people. But the more you do that, the more there will be an effort to send children here. And, you know, you hear about things that are happening at the border that are heartbreaking. Sarah Carter's been down there and doing reporting um, for the Hannity Show and seeing children, she said, as young as four years old being sent on these tracks without a parent or adult with them. Um, in some cases, because parents think, all right, if I get my child in safely, then one day they can bring the rest of the family too. Um, but it's heartbreaking for to think about a four-year-old child being sent off with coyotes or smugglers. Um, so we have to think about um, the fact that people are being endangered by what yeah. they feel is a call to come here illegally. Um, it's not always a safe proposition for them. In fact, many times it's not. We've already seen the magnets pull. That's what we're seeing. The rhetoric on the campaign trail, the potential policy that would be passed, that's the magnet. People respond to incentive, and then you create this crisis. Real real quick, back on procedure, because, again, I know it's boring, but it's everything. So it, matters. So it seems like every time I look at this, Shannon, what Democrats seem to be advocating for is pure democracy in the sense of any small majority gets its will its way, and minorities are disempowered. And, of course, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about this, we're talking about minority viewpoints, minority power positions. 
We're not a democracy. We're a republic. We're a constitutional republic that's set up to protect the rights of minorities, meaning just because all of a sudden not everyone agrees with you and you're not persuading the majority of the population, you have certain rights that should be protected and procedures that should be protected. It's weird that Democrats want to reject all of that. You know, the Constitution itself is a minority protection document, and they want to do away with that. They want to do away with the filibuster, which requires 60 votes. So one, every time I turn around, it's like, let's, let's reduce the margin by which we can, in, we can institute our will. And I just wonder, is that historically illiterate from Democrats? Is it political convenience? Because if the shoe's on the other foot, they won't like that at all. They won't like losing power decisions by the slimmest of margins. Yeah, and whichever party is in control, you have to remind them of that. And I think that you've seen some discipline to this point from both parties realizing, oh, we get rid of the filibuster, then when we're in the minority, we're just sunk. We're just going to sit there for two years or four years or six years at a time and not be able to get anything done, uh, and we'll have no uh, chance to resist. And the Senate really is, its procedures and and the way it's set up now, um, a a place where they say, you know, it's the cooling of the saucer, the coffee in the saucer, um, that it gives you a minute to think about things the minority has procedures in place so that they can mount um, a defense to things that they want to object to. If it's nothing but just ramming things through, um, it, Obamacare passed with not a single Republican vote. Will the COVID $2 trillion bill pass the same way or immigration if they decide to bring it through the reconciliation process? Um, then Democrats have to think about if you set these procedures in place, then if Mitch McConnell again becomes Senate Majority Leader and there's a Republican president in the White House, it's not going to be fun for you, and you'll have no tools left to object. So I think to this point, that has kept both parties in line a bit, thinking about how fun, not fun it will be when they're on the receiving end. Um, But I think there is such a call for, for such a push on the Biden administration that they may be willing to blow things up this time. I just think you have to look at our history as well and realize there's a reason we're a republic. Like we've we all admit the United States of America through its history has adopted some pretty bad points of view that were in the majority you know Mm -hmm. slavery and racism in the 1800s were a majority point of view and there were minority protections in the constitution which we weren't living up to at the time but were designed to help a minority point of view and that's the point of having such a incredible document like the constitution or these procedures in place and i know you're um forgive me for my still i'm I'm a little new to fox still chief chief (laughs) uh supreme court Analyst. Yeah, chief, yeah chief, chief legal correspondent. I so knew that. If you have legal questions. Big legal time Supreme free. Court legal stuff. Go to Shannon. That's what I knew. I just didn't know the exact words <laughs> of the title. <laughs> yes, we all have our, you know, our fancy little titles, but you can sort of figure out what we do. Yeah, if something's happening with the Supreme Court, I try to keep you updated. And yeah. uh, that's increasingly, I think, going to be uh, an important place for a lot of the policy changes that we see going on. Um, listen, Supreme Court appointments are for life. Uh, President Trump got three of them. And um, that makes a big difference. So the court is, um, you know, people would would argue it leans conservative at this point. There are certainly more Republican appointees than there are Democrat, but I would argue that there are definitely Republican appointees who have become very centrist on a number of issues. And so you can't really predict what the court's going to do. But I think um, a lot of things are winding their way there. I think you're going to end up seeing a, a case there on mandatory vaccines about whether employers or private companies can require you to have them. Mm. Um, and I think there will be a lot of other things that will bubble up from the pandemic uh, to the court um, that Absolutely. we're just waiting on them to get there. 
Absolutely. Those will be huge issues. And when we have big legal issues, we Supreme Court issues, we will go to you, Shannon. She's also the host of Fox News at night here on Fox News. All right, Shannon, so good to talk to you again. Thank you for your time today. Have a great weekend. Okay, take care. Shannon Bream here on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane filling in. So now let's get to this issue that I want to talk with you about. Let's get to the big lie. Who's telling the lies? Who's telling the lies that are literally setting streets on fire? That's coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Green eggs and ham, Dr. Seuss, Mr. Potato Head, Drew Brees, the Washington Redskins, Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben. Tell me what's next to get canceled. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show here with Will Kane filling in for Brian today. I was just scrolling through my social media feed during the commercial break, and I saw a tweet from Rob O'Neill. Rob O'Neill is the Navy SEAL who put one into to Osama bin Laden. He's the SEAL who killed the greatest terrorist of our time. Rob O'Neill tweeted, I guess Mr. Coffee is probably next. I mean, if Mr. Potato Head's no good, why would Mr. Coffee be okay? Mr. Clean, for that matter. We could go on and on. Terminal velocity is hard to find. The end result, the sanity point, we're well past. So where does it end? I'll tell you what, I want to open it up to you. If we're going to do this, let's do this, right? Let's lean in. Let's cancel. Let's do some canceling. Apparently, it feels good to destroy. We take that from our friends on the other side. We can see it's fun to be empowered and say no more of something that you don't like. The truth is you don't even like it. It's not about like or not like. You think anybody really cares about Mr. Potato Head? No. It's about the power. Man, that's got to feel addictive. That's got to be a nice hit on the pipe. Let's destroy something. So let's do it. Y'all want to get in on it? Let's let's cancel everything we can think of that they could take up. Because there is no end point. There's no sanity point. There's no terminal velocity. It could be Mr. Coffee who's next. So you give me a call. 866-408-7669. What's next? You tell me. What have I forgotten about? What 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 brand? What movie? What's next in our culture that's got to go? Because if Dr. Seuss has got to go, you tell me why that one makes sense, but some other thing doesn't. Nah, we could get rid of it all at this point. So you tell me what comes up next. Give me a call here. Will Kane filling in for Brian Kilmeade. I'll take your calls in the next half hour and see what we can cancel. All right. I want to talk to you about situational ethics. I want to talk to you about the big lie. Okay, here's what I mean by this. When undocumented children, when unaccompanied children of illegal immigrants cross the border and are held in detention facilities under President Trump, it's kids in cages, it's kids in cages. You heard that phrase over and over. When it happens under Joe Biden, it's some kind of camp detention center. Virtually the same situation, but now it's totally fine. Situational ethics, it's okay under us, not okay under them. It's not a principle. It's not something that you believe in. It's just a partisan point. It's crap. It also happens in other situations. It happens constantly. How about this? When it's A-OK, when it's fashionable to celebrate Governor Andrew Cuomo and say he's given great press conferences and he's the toast of the town, well then Chris Cuomo, his brother on CNN, a primetime host, can cover him, have him on every night, do prop comedy like Carrot Head, holding up huge Q-tips. But when it's time for accountability, when it's time to tell the truth, when the 
controversy is swirling around Governor Cuomo and there's sexual harassment allegations and accusations. And there's now increasing evidence that they covered up the numbers, covered up the numbers of people who died in nursing homes under his mandate to put COVID positive patients back into nursing homes, covered up those numbers. Well, now situational ethics, we can't, can't have a brother on brother interview. Here's Chris Cuomo, why he can't do that now. Could then, but not now. Obviously, I'm aware of what's going on with my brother. And obviously, I cannot cover it because he is my brother. Now, of course, CNN has to cover it. They have covered it extensively, and they will continue to do so. I have always cared very deeply about these issues, and profoundly so. I just wanted to tell you that. Well, since CNN is not covering it extensively, that is not true. And if you care about these issues so much, why can't you cover it? Why can't you hold politicians to account? Why can't you hold power to accountability? You can only celebrate it when he's related to you? No, it's because it's not ethics, situational or not. It's just partisan politics. It's just power once again. And so if that's the case, if we, if we peel back the onion, if we throw back the covers and we see what's really at play here, then how are we supposed to listen to somebody talk about, quote-unquote, the big lie? How are we supposed to listen to CNN or any other media organization or any other politician talk about their political opponent or Fox News telling you a lie? How are we supposed to believe them that that's the truth? We don't. We know that's false. And then we say, well, if it's okay in one situation but not in the other, maybe we need to turn the magnifying glass around. Maybe we need to see, in fact, what lies you've been telling. Maybe we need, in fact, to see... What your big lie is, well, guess what? It's not one. It's not two. It's not three. It's so many lies you can't count, and they led to fires on the streets, people's lives. Let's expose that big lie next on The Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I need your help. Sometimes I have trouble with open questions. You know, blank slates. What are they going to cancel next? Mr. Potato Head goes. Dr. Seuss goes. What's next? Is it Mr. Coffee? Help me think of what comes next. What movie? What brand? What product has to go? What doesn't live up to? Not yesterday's standards. I believe we're working on about a six-hour time frame right now. And probably six hours ago isn't reflective of what's fashionable. So we need to really project into tomorrow. What's going to be fashionable tomorrow? So what needs to be canceled? What's got to go? Let's indulge the destruction. Let's do it. Let's lean in. It must feel good. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio. Will Kane filling in for Brian. You can normally catch me Saturday and Sunday mornings on Fox and Friends. Come hang out. Have your coffee. Enjoy the news. One month from now, we're launching the Will Kane podcast on Fox News Podcast. I hope you'll Go subscribe as soon as that's up. Come hang out with me for some of these same conversations. Come hang out with me right now at 866-408-7669 to tell me what should be canceled next. Projection. That's an interesting concept. You cast onto others what you hate about yourself. You cast onto others what you're guilty of. 
The smeller's the feller. You know that, right? Whoever smelt it, dealt it. Yeah, that's a fun case of projection, right? You always point the finger back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're the one calling it out. That must mean you're the one that let it go. There's more serious ways that projection comes in. Today, I truly believe this is true. Those that yell racist, accuse others of racism the loudest, are the ones hiding something gross and guilty, maybe not just in their past, but in their current deep, dark, secret thoughts. It takes some of those deep, dark, secret thoughts to read racism into everything, right? If your brain automatically goes there with something is not obviously racist but has to read three level deep to get to racism, well, you're the ones who brain, whose brain goes click immediately. Well, others may just think, I don't know, it's a simple analogy, good metaphor. Jews, you read racism. You saw racism. What is it about you immediately that was able to see that and think that and cast that aspersion? Projection, projection, always. It's on any type of sin that others like to call out in others. It's a society focused on getting its virtue from denigrating others by saying you're below me, you're worse than me, you don't wear a mask, you don't believe in science. I do. Everybody is trapped in this I'm better than you mentality. That's how they get their sense of self-worth. It's not internal. It's not through principles or Judeo-Christian ethics and morals or trying to just be a better, more disciplined person day by day. It's by finding somebody else that you're better than and calling them out. So projection, it's everywhere. It's what we're doing. Well, if you look in the mainstream media, I think the most obvious example of projection is this quote-unquote big lie. That's what Joe Biden talks about constantly. When it comes to Donald Trump and Republicans, the big lie. He borrows that, I believe, from, from Nazi Germany and says that we've been told a lie over and over about election results. And then CNN runs with it, and the media always talks about the lies that anyone who disagrees with them tells. Well, could that not also be projection? Let's think about it. Let's find out. Is mainstream, quote-unquote, mainstream media and CNN and places like MSNBC, are they guilty of big lies? Just back of the envelope it with me. Just let's look, let's look over the past 18, 24 months. What lies are obviously there? Number one, Jacob Blake was not unarmed. Over and over and over it was told. Jacob Blake was unarmed. Jacob Blake was unarmed. That lie was repeated over and over. Jacob Blake had a knife. He was struggling with officers. He was reaching for the knife in his car when the altercation went down. It was not true that he was unarmed. That was a lie. By the way, for the same purpose, Michael Brown did not have his hands up and say, don't shoot. That did not happen. That was a lie. And that was a lie, by the way, exposed by then-President Obama's Justice Department. Many today don't believe that, don't know that. They don't know that's a lie. But it is, and one repeated over and over and over by the mainstream media. Those lies caused literal buildings to be burned on our streets, riots. People to believe a certain narrative that was not true, that lie was told repetitively, and the costs to it are obvious. Over this past summer, by the way, you could look at any number of cities that went up in flames over lies like that. It's not the only one. How about COVID? In the beginning, Tom Cotton, early on in this process, tried to write an op-ed in the New York Times suggesting the origins of COVID were that it came from, quite possibly, a lab in China. For that point of view, Tom Cotton was banished from the New York Times op-ed pages, a home to op-eds by the likes of the Ayatollah Khamenei of Iran, but not Tom Cotton and his investigation into the origins of COVID. Others said it's a conspiracy to suggest as such, and you can't repeat it on mainstream media. Also a lie now 
most are centering on the Wuhan Virology Lab as a potential place where viruses were being studied and might have escaped. If not weaponized, no one is saying going that far, saying it escaped. That's not a conspiracy theory. That was a lie. That's not all. You can keep going more. Nick Sandman. Remember Nick Sandman, the high school student on the National Mall? Nick Sandman was supposed to have been the guy who instigated that confrontation that led everyone to freaking out on those same channels and stations. Of course, Nick Sandman didn't. He stood there politely as a high school kid and smiled, not smirked, smiled, and did his best to avoid a confrontation. If you watch just a little bit longer clip, you will see with your naked eye that it's obviously true. But that lie was told over and over and over. By the way, there was some price to pay for that lie because the New York Times, CNN, the Washington Post had to agree to confidential settlements with Nick Salmon. Who knows what he got? Let's hope it's in the hundreds of millions. Let's hope he's a very rich young man today. Maybe there's some accountability out there. And you can keep going. The lie that lockdowns are the best way to handle coronavirus, a lie that had real cost, our children's education, their socialization, their emotional maturity, that our businesses were getting killed and people losing their jobs. Today on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane filling in, I had a caller named Jim from Connecticut who called in and laid out the cost of that lie. He lost his son in February to suicide. These are real costs human toll to the lies, the big lies being told by those projecting onto others their own sins. It's happening with the border crisis, the denial of it, the reframing of it, the renaming of it. It happens with Andrew Cuomo when you can and cannot cover him. It happens over and over again with these stories. And the reason that it happens is because they are the ones committing the very sin they project onto others. Know that when we talk to others who would shame others for masks or climate change, whether or not they believe in science. Are they really advocating for scientific points of view? What's the data behind all of this? Know that when they're calling others racist. Be suspicious of their own history, their own deep, dark thoughts. Know that projection, both at the media level and the individual level, is playing a massive role in all of these accusations. All right, I suffer from a lack of imagination. What should be canceled next? Mr. Coffee says Rob O'Neill, the Navy SEAL. That's probably next on deck. You can help me out, 866-408-7669. Let's go to Jim in Scottsdale, Arizona. Jim, what's next? Yeah, love, love the show, and I'm glad you joined uh, Fox. Uh, you've been a great addition to the team. Hey, you know, I, I think you, we're, we're letting a small number of folks decide what's, you know, what should be canceled, what's what's right, what's wrong. We need to stand up and say, let's cancel the cancel culture. I think enough already. And uh, we've got to take ownership. Uh, we're letting this happen. We need some of our leaders, particularly on the Republican side, to just say enough. Jim, let me ask and, you a hard question. This, that my, just, let me sure. ask you a hard question that my friend Pete Hegseth asked me earlier. How? How do you stop the proliferation of the craziness? I tried to suggest to Pete, maybe it's where you apportion your dollars, what products you buy. But the truth is it's so pervasive, it takes real effort and energy to know which corporations, which companies are adopting this cancel culture mentality, which media companies. I don't know that consumer 
decisions will 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 enforce it. I I don't know at this point how you correct the course, Jim. Well, to me, you can do those things, and they may may or may not have uh, some some impact. But uh, I think what's far more effective is how many times have you seen Republican leadership in Congress and the Senate go out there and say this this is insanity, this yeah. is crazy. You see it all the time. But the, the problem is, Jim. Out there. I think the problem is, and I appreciate the call. This isn't a governmental issue. This is a culture issue. We don't need politicians to fix this for us. We got to fix this ourselves somehow because this is a problem in our culture. I was talking with some of the guys here on the production staff. Silence of the Lambs, that's probably got to go, right? That associated transgenderism with a serial killer, that's probably got to go. In fact, I think they've already written that article probably on, I don't know, Slate or something like that. Devin in Topeka, what's got to go next, Devin? Well, um, I've been dealing with this since 1986. I'm from Colorado Springs, and our high school mascot was taken away at an Indian. And so this is uh, something I've been watching over the years. And about any team uh, could go. It can just go down the list. Anything with a devil or a demon, sun devils, blue devils, I think could offend someone. Uh, there's lots of teams that glorify pirates. The Buccaneers just won the Super Bowl. Uh, that That's a bad lifestyle to portray and teach to your kids. Uh, the fighting Irish is a stereotype. I'm of uh, Viking heritage. The Minnesota Vikings, I think, is a deeply offensive stereotype. Um, I'm just kidding, of course. But uh, I, I, well, the one that I'm that I am deeply offended is the statue of Louis Armstrong in New Orleans there because he was a marijuana smoker, and I just don't agree with that. So they should probably take his statue. Well, you down. have every right to your offense. Your 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 ability to be offended is everyone else, Devin. So uh, I'm going to tell you something. You're you weren't sufficiently crazy enough, Devin, because I kid you not. The week of the Super Bowl, there was an op-ed or an editorial in the Washington Post suggesting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should change their name because pirates raped and pillaged and participated in the slave trade, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as pirates should go, as I would assume then the Pittsburgh Pirates as well have to go Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders, and you know Vikings weren't very nice either. I'm sure they did some bad things, to your point, Devin. You can keep going. Oh, boy, you, you, you can keep going. John in Oklahoma, what's up? You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. Well, we got to get rid of Miss USA and go to GN USA, gender neutral. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, if Mr. Potato Head can't stay, then I don't know how, why Miss USA should be able to stay either, John. I appreciate the call. You can keep going and going and going, and I challenge you to find the point of insanity, meaning that's when everyone will wake up and say, enough. We've long passed it. Therefore, I don't know where terminal velocity is. I'll keep taking your calls. We'll keep exploring it. Plus, I'll play for you one last piece of audio that might be the most infuriating thing you've heard in the last couple of days. That's coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane filling in. Brian Kilmeade. Working up a sweat to bring you the latest news and opinion. It's hard to look good and make sense when people are staring at your sweaty body. Try not to stare. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I don't know what comes next. I really don't. It's Brian Kilmeade show. Will Kane filling in. Bobby Burak, who writes over at Outkick.com. Great, insightful writer. You ought to check him out. Go over to Outkick.com. Insight into the media business. He asked his followers 
What who will fall next victim to cancel culture? I'm just reading some of the replies. Curious George. I could see that falling. I don't know yet the argument for it, but I could see Curious George going white chocolate, popcorn. I don't get the argument for popcorn. Shoes? <laughs> I don't know. But that's the point. Like, why Why would I try to assume there is um, some explanation for what's going to happen next? Might as well be shoes. I don't know. Anything could be far beyond the point of sanity, much less rationality. What's next? You folks. Here on the phone lines at 866-409-7669. I'm sorry, 866-408-7669. I'm still learning the phone number. Have some suggestions? Like Joe in Indiana. What's up, Joe? Hey, guys. Uh, how are you? Um, I'm a truck driver. I'm just driving through, and it's good that I got you. I think it's uh, it's good to hear you. Thank you. But um, I was just going to say, uh, Chef Boyardee, I'm Italian. You know, so that's oh. uh, insult. That's insulting. But the the thing is, is that you know, there's no Y in our in the Italian alphabet, and there's you don't spell any words with two E's. So that's you know something there. But um, the other thing is, I was going to say, I, I think this is going to happen, and and uh, I'm I'm just waiting for it to come down the pike. I just think, you know, the one guy tried it over the summer when you were talking about the riots and stuff. How he was offended that. Um, Jesus was was seen as a white person. And I just have a feeling that that's going to show up again, that someone's going to bring that up again and say, yeah, this is offending me. You can't show Jesus in any pictures as white. You have to show him any color or certain like that. But I think that's what's going to be brought up next by the left. Well, I appreciate the call, Joe. I think the point of the entire exercise, by the way, when you said there's no why in the Italian language, I thought you were saying there's no why. At first, I thought you were saying there's no why to any of this, which would have been correct too, W-H-Y. There's no why. It's just it's just self-fulfilling power engorgement. It's just destruction for the sake of self-satisfaction. There's no why. You can't rationalize why someone should or should not be offended by this stuff. And by the way, when we ask what's next, the answer is anything. The only real question is why do we keep giving into it? Why do corporations keep listening? Why does everyone keep bending? Why does our culture allow this. Kelly in Auburn, Alabama. What's up, Kelly? You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Will Kane. Oh, good morning, Will. How are you? It's great good, to be on you. with you this morning. Thank you. So I'm looking, Prince Albert's got to look out, you know. if I'm, Look, I'm going to just put this out there. I am a happy, white, conservative female who smokes, and Prince Albert's going down. You got to help me, Kelly. What's Prince Albert? I don't know that product. It's tobacco. Oh. It comes in a can. Oh, yeah. you roll your Summer. own cigarettes, and it's got to go. That's, that's yeah. right. They're, they're coming after Prince Albert. But I'm going to tell you, you know, um, the, the only way we can stop this is is talk to our kids at the dinner table and, mm. and confront confront people. If you're against slavery and all that, come on, man, cut your Nike tennis shoes off. Get the Nike cap off. You know what? Kelly, you just said the – I think you just wound it up perfectly. You just wound it up perfectly. I appreciate the call. The way to do this is through the teaching of your children. But I'm not sure it's through our children's consumer decisions. It's not quitting necessarily buying Nike. What it is is teaching our children two things in my mind. Number one, a backbone. You don't have to give in to everyone else's bullying. You don't have to give in to everyone else being offended. You can have a sense of right and wrong. You know what's right and wrong. You don't have to bend to everyone's will in order for them to like you. Conviction is likable. Always going with the flow 
is not necessary to being popular. And by the way, it's not even important to be popular as opposed to be principled. But the other thing we can give to our children besides principle is a sense of virtue beyond one that they get by seeing themselves as better than somebody else. In other words, they don't have to go around looking for the racist. They don't have to go around looking for the person who's less, quote-unquote, devoted to science than them. They don't have to always find somebody less than in order to think of themselves as more than. They can find values in their religious beliefs, their own sense of self-worth, their own teachings, their own ideas, who they are. And then they don't have to turn around and destroy everybody else so that they are some kind of self-fulfilled, satisfied human being at the end of the day. The way to do this is exactly what you said, Kelly. It's through our children. It's been the Brian Kilmeade Show. Will Kane filling in. Been fun hanging out with you. can follow me on Twitter, at Will Kane on Instagram. See Will Kane. Check me out at the end of the month. The Will Kane Podcast on Fox News Podcast. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.